Welcome to another WriterCast. I'm your host, MJ. This time I'm going to be talking about the 15th Heisei-era Kamen Rider, Kamen Rider Gaim, also known as the Fruit Pokemon Samurai? Fruit Samurai Pokemon guy? Anyway, here we go. First off, starting with the meta information. Kamen Rider Gaim aired from October 6, 2013 to September 28, 2014. There were a total of 47 episodes, it looks like, which is a little shorter than others. Uh, The first and second episodes were written by Gen Urobuchi and directed by Ryuta Tasaki. Now, I guess I, at this time, should mention that Gen Urobuchi has a little bit... He's kind of a loaded figure, or he might be rich, I don't know. Um, My point is that he's kind of a maybe a divisive figure, or a very popular figure. Um, I don't know if I'd say he's polarizing, but he is mainly an anime writer, um, uh, but also a visual novel writer. So I'm just going to read this straight from the wiki so I represent it well. Uh, it says, uh, Bucci is a Japanese writer for visual novels, light novels, and anime. He is famous slash infamous for his work on uh, Madoka Magica and Fate Zero. He is also known for his dark style, nihilistic themes, and tragic plot twists, giving him the nickname The Uro Butcher from English-speaking fans of Gen's work. So, he worked on uh, Gaim, and I remember the hype leading up to him coming into Gaim was that he uh, dove into a bunch of Kamen Rider, I think? Uh, oh, no, that's not true. That's the other guy. That's the next show, I think. No, that's... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me for getting all tripped up. I will uh, go ahead and continue the meta information and wrap up on all this stuff later. I can do a, another writer cast if... Or, um, I can do a... a Goodness gracious me. I could do an MJ Loves Toku about uh, Gena Rabuchi coming into uh, Kamen Rider if I really want to. So, anyway, uh, what I wanted to talk about next was the fact that the uh, opening theme song is lit. It's called Just Live More. Um, and so it's funny how all these things... Well, anyway, the, the lyricist was Fujibayashi uh, Shoko. The composer was Tatsuo. Um, and the singer was Gaim no Kaze which uh, I believe was an ad hoc band or whatever potentially put together for uh, the production of the song because, you know, it's more corporate than we might like to admit. Anyway, wrapping up meta information, uh, the suit actor for Kamen Rider Gaim was Seiji Takawa, as typical. Uh, We also saw a white writer, Zangetsu, in the uh, second episode, in the beginning of the second episode, I think it was, and that was uh, he was portrayed by Watanabe Jun. And I'm going to go ahead and just throw out there that the Inves had suit actors in them, and at least one of them was played by Kazuya Okola. And I'm scanning here to see if I can find any other person who's credited with... Uh, oh, okay. Well, no, that's a specific one. Um, yeah, I can't find any other generic um, Inves uh, suit actors just scanning through here. So it's a little too bad, but hey, what are you going to do? The premise of Kamen Rider Gaim, as it appears from these first two episodes, is that Kota Kazuraba is a young man who's trying to transform himself. He wants to become a responsible adult. He's left one world behind, and he has uh, tried to join the adult responsible world, but his plans kind of get shaken up when he discovers the uh, whole 
Invest game. He gets entangled in kind of the Invest games and the war going on between the dance troops that he used to be in and this. There's this other world, the Zipper Dimension, if you will, where he and his friend Mai go. And uh, anyway, he ends up getting this uh, driver, a Sengoku driver, actually, and turning, gaining the power to turn into Kamen Rider Gaim, which he uh, does, and he uses to defeat an Invest who is attacking him and his friend Mai. He saves her life. He fights another one who's attacking innocent civilians and. Behind it all, I think there's some sort of crazy rider war fruit samurai thing that's going to happen because that was kind of previewed and there was a talk about fate and things like that. And uh, yeah, seizing your fate um, is something that a uh, not my an alternate version of my it looks like uh, talks to him. Uh, it's something she talks to him about. So and uh, I don't know, interesting looking show, but that's basically the premise. Okay. The audio might be a little different here. Doing the best I can, folks. Anyway, uh, moving on to the cast, uh, I want to talk about Kota Kazuraba first because Kota is a pretty cool guy. He seems to be uh, possessed of a great mm, like streak of responsibility and maturity, and it impresses me that at the beginning of the show, he's already kind of moving a, a, a ways in his journey towards maturity and he actively uh, states that he wants to be more mature, more responsible, more of an adult and he strives for that. Now he has some stumbling as he is uh, on the stairway to maturity because he's still a young man and he you know, doesn't have his act together completely and that's totally natural. So he seems like a very realistic young person. I don't know how old he's supposed to be. Uh, I think they say, uh, you know, 18, 19, something like that, um, but I don't remember, so whatever. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, I got a good sense of him, and I really like that. I think it's a Kuga callback, which is why I was confused and thought Urobuchi had looked at, had like um, mainstreamed, uh, mainlined, I guess is what I mean. Like he had consumed a lot of Common Rider right before working on this, um, and there's some confusion with Ryuki and whatnot, but uh, I think. I think he had um, kind of a, taken in a lot of Common Rider at the time. I, again, I'm supposed to talk about that at a later date. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, this is what happened when I record hours apart. So, uh, re regardless, the character of Kota is very optimistic. He has that very Kuga moment where he stops and he helps that kid. And he kind of preaches, that's a bad way to say it, but he, he instructs the kid in optimism. And he tells him to look at life as a game and, you know, to set rules for yourself, to set win conditions for yourself so that you're choosing to do the thing that'll make you win and that you're steering away your, yourself from negative uh, behaviors or, or traits that will, you know, cause you to lose. Um, and I think that's a really interesting uh, way that he chooses to look at things and uh, I really appreciate that and that definitely contrasts with somebody else that we will get into in a minute or two. Yuya, the current leader of Team Gaim, uh, reads like a very much older character to me uh, and if he's not actually older then uh, he's supposed to be very mature and uh, probably have great leadership qualities and I can see that in him. It's interesting how it's interesting to see him uh, like kind of like as an elder statesman of the group talking with Kota about how the scene has changed and how the streets have changed and whatnot and I'm really interested in him because I mean it looked like he was going to be Kamen Rider Gaim uh, but then something happens to him I wonder if he's like with that Zangetsu guy or or you know the white rider guy who was protecting people in the uh, second episode regardless um, 
it seems like I, I like I doubt he flaked out um, in that situation. Maybe something happened and, and you know he lost the belt or whatever. But uh, it's interesting how uh, Kota mentioned specifically to Mai that Yuya has been known to like disappear on them for uh, lengths of time. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to him popping back up in the show because I mean based on what I've seen in these episodes, it, it seems like he probably would. Mai is a really exciting and interesting character to me. Uh, you know, she's a youngish girl. I don't know how much younger she's supposed to be than Kota, but she reads a little younger. And she definitely seems to be projecting a, a desire to uh, not grow up quite yet. She still wants to pursue a youthful life, um, you know, that's slightly carefree. I'm, I'm going to say slightly carefree because they're in these dance gangs. And, and I guess what the truth of the matter is, is she's more interested in pursuing her art, which she is accepted and rolled with the fact that that uh, necessitates battle of some sort. I think they used to just be dance-offs, but now they've got the Lockseed battles with the, um, whatever they're called, the Invest, Invest battles. And she's uh, willingly participating in those. Uh, she, while she's like remaining in the arts and so, so to speak, rejecting adulthood as opposed to Kota, um, she still looks up to Yuya, like I said, he's an elder statesman kind of character, and um, expresses uh, remorse for, like, disappointing him and, and for failing in the situation where she, uh, you know, lost the stage to Baron and whatnot, and uh, I think that's all really interesting, and she seems like a really neat character, and one of my favorite things is that she tells um, Kota, like, hey, uh, let me have that belt, that Sengoku driver, and I'm gonna do what I need to with it in Yuya's stead because I'm Team Gaiman, you're not, so get out of here. Gaiman is kind of a large cast, so I'll quickly go through. Michi is one of the supporting team, or Team Gaim? Gaim? I, whatever. Team Gaim members, and he gets a couple mentions, and he gets some prominent play in the first and second episodes, and he uh, he's kind of like pining for Kota to come back, and it kind of reflects the whole mood of the team, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know who these kids are. I guess you know, youthful, youthful, youthful people have time. I don't know. I'm 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 old and I got little kids, so I don't know anymore. But it's funny they all hang out in in their own little base camp or you know, like secret hideout kind of thing. And uh, even Team Baron has one, and there's this real decked out and super nice and it's got a big fancy car in it and stuff and just very strange the setup of these I don't know if they get money from the dancing too or what or how these people are funding things but anyway then we get to see uh um um not then we get to see we also have Kota um not Kota gosh um whoever the guy of Team Baron is you know what I don't even know this guy's name I'm just gonna call him Mr. Baron uh I don't know how it is that his name is escaping me right now and to be more professional, I should probably pause and find out what it is, but uh, I'll get back to him later. Um, I'm going to call him Mr. Strength, <laughs> because that's what he seems to be all about. And when it comes to the dancing teams, his uh, favoring of strength comes off as very aggressive, very selfish, very one-dimensional, almost very criminal. And there's a scene in the uh, second episode, I believe, where he is menacing and intimidating uh my and I thought he might have physically attacked her. He did not, but the body language, the behavior, the acting, the performance was very good. Uh, all of it put a, put forth to me the idea that this guy was willing to 
come to blows with an actual other person over dancing territory uh, when he could otherwise peacefully, you know, gain access to it or, or maintain access to it, really, because his team had gotten access to the, the dancing stage, the western stage, as it's called. And uh makes me very uncomfortable. I don't like it. Um, like, a, a well-made villainous character, uh, but he's a little more complex than that, and I will get to that later as well. I just remembered that his name is Kaito Kuman, but anyway, I'm going to talk about Rei right now. Rei, I believe her name is Rei, he just calls her Nechan, I believe, in in the, you know, the script, uh, but, or, it's translated to sister, but he calls her Rei I think, anyway, whatever. I believe Rei is the sister, Rei um, Kazuraba is the sister of Kota, and she... She took over taking care of him. I don't know how much older she is than him, maybe 10 or something, 10 years older than him, uh, when their parents died. And uh, she's been responsible, and she's coaching him and encouraging him in maturing, because, again, that's the thing that he's focused on right now, and he really wants to grow up and carry his own weight and be a responsible adult, and she's cheering him on in that, which is really great. So the drive cast is fairly large with lots of kind of incidental characters, but I feel like most of them are being set up for something down the line. Like Sid, this lock dealer, he um, sells lock seeds, but um, he also sold the Sengoku driver, and he seems to know a lot about what's going on, so maybe he's involved more deeply. And I feel like Tijisagara, who he didn't include here, is really pushing those things hard, and if there's some larger scheme going on, maybe the two of them are partners in it. Uh, and then we have this other Mai. Um, she looks like a Kingdom Hearts character or a Final Fantasy character to me, which I kind of dig. Um, I think it's a cool look. Um, I mean, it's definitely catchy and trendy and fun. Um, but like her, her, she reinforces the theme about fate and basically tells um, not Yuya, uh, Kota, that once he makes this choice, um, and uh, it'll like seal his fate. And she's saying like, "Is this the way you want things to be?" And he says, "If that's what it takes to protect you, then yes." And uh, I don't know, it, it's interesting because we don't really get much from her other than she seems wiser uh, than regular Mai and more experienced and like she knows more about what's going to happen than, you know, than the audience or most of the other characters do at this point. So while Kota is running around trying to use his newfound power, you know, to transform his transformed self, which he thinks should be better and different from his old self or current self, so to speak, at the him at the beginning of the series, um, Kaito Kuman has this very interesting interaction with a little kid similar to uh, the interaction that uh, Kota has in the first episode. There's a kid stuck in a tree and Kaito helps the boy uh, get out of the tree. But he doesn't do it in the way that Kota wants to. He doesn't do it for him. He doesn't use his own strength. He coaches the kid and encourages him to be courageous and to take action and to... I guess, sees his own destiny and change his own fate. Um, definitely he challenges the boy to uh, be more than he is currently and to um, conquer a fear, even a small fear. Um, and then after that, he exhorts him to continue on this path, basically, and to uh, continue to count on himself and uh, his own strength in order to get him out of dangerous situations or uncomfortable situations and I find that really laudable and very heroic for the most part. It's interesting because it so sharply contrasts with his behavior in the uh, Gaim cave or the team Gaim base or whatever uh, but then again those are peers and this is a child um, who he wants to 
foster or encourage to grow in the type of strength he wants to see in the world. Because it's not that he doesn't want to lose, it's that he wants everybody to be strong, but he just wants to be stronger, strongest. It seems that that seems to be his outlook on life so far. Anyway, and then one last thing, like the whole Team Gaim dynamic, uh, everybody just seems kind of friendly and nice, but like they're not the hardest, sharpest people just yet, and uh, I don't know. That makes them an easy target for Baron, Team Baron, and specifically uh, Kaito and his uh, outlook on the world. There's a lot of visuals to go through, so I'm going to talk about design pretty quickly. Uh, we'll see how this goes. So, uh, if you're looking at the uh, video version of this, or, uh, well, yeah, right now I'm showing two writers who we don't really know the identity of, except I spoiled that one of them is Zangetsu, the white and green melon guy. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's two more writers we have to look forward to seeing in the course of the show. Uh, then there's the, the invest in their world. Uh, so there are these weird, like, gray creatures. They look kind of parasitic or partially formed like worms, like the worms from Kabuto, actually, in my opinion. Um, and we see that they're feeding on the uh, fruits in the forest, uh, but these fruits turn into lock seeds. Specifically, when uh, Kota has the Sengoku driver on, they're able to turn into the lock seeds, I'm guessing by the virtue of the power of the Sengoku driver converting them. Um, but there's these typical fruits. They all look the same. They're purple with, like, kind of a skirt on them, and uh, they're really interesting, but there's also other plants in uh, the forest uh, where the invests are, and outside of the zipper portal thing, some of the plants appear too, and it's kind of a plot point for later. Um, but anyway, it's a really interesting, weird organic design, and then you've got these, you know, vines, and then uh, like the first creature that they fight, it's like a tiger or a panther, maybe a jaguar. It looks to me like an Aztec or Mayan inspired um, design for a jaguar, sort of. Um, anyway, he uh, has, I think it's a pretty neat design. Actually, like from the waist up, it's really cool, and the legs are kind of uh, not so great. Like they're very minimally designed, as you'll be able to see. I think they're very minimally designed, and they kind of, <laughs> uh, originally when I saw Gaim, I was really impressed by them, by the, that whole design, but then seeing it more and looking at it really, really carefully this time, I was a little surprised by how lackluster the, the legs were, but the top half is great and that's what gets most of the focus. Um, I guess that's all I'll really say about that for now. Uh, but then we've got the Sengoku driver. Uh, it's your basic rider buckle thing where it slaps onto them and then the belt appears around their waist, which is a really great effect. And it's really cool. They've been doing that for like, 17, 18 years, something like that. Anyway, or maybe not that long. Since Ryuki, maybe? I think since Ryuki. Anyway, so you, ins you insert the lock seat in there and then you use the little lame knife thing. The Sengoku driver's design is not great. It looks like a child's toy. Um, I, I will come out and say that right now. Um, obviously it's used to, well, and then like they get the giant piece of fruit on their head before it splits open and turns into their armor. So like, it's a very silly design. The show has a lot of silliness to it and uh, just going from this first set of episodes, like I was shocked by how fun and bright and poppy and silly a lot of the design work was and a lot of the display or, or implementation of it was. And I actually enjoy that aspect because it's a kind of a ridiculous design and I feel like they're having fun with it and they're not embarrassed of it, which is pretty cool. Um, but anyway, the Gaim armor uh, starts Kota off with, I think, two swords. Uh, He's got one in a holster and then one that just like appears in his hand that looks like an orange slice and it even has a green part to its handle that makes it even look look even more like an orange slice. Um, and then he's got a, a sword that doubles as a gun. Um, 
which is pretty typical of Kamen Rider. Sometimes they transform into a gun. This one's kind of like the Ixa Saber, I think is what it's called, from, uh, from Kamen Rider Kiva, where it just has a gun attachment or part on it that he can shoot out of. And then those two combine into like a, um, not a lance, but like a double-bladed sword of some sort. I don't know what you would call it, but it's kind of neat. It's, it's really kitschy uh, and kind of, a, like I said, a weird design. Um, and then... This isn't really a design aspect, it's more of a location thing, but they go to this weird factory that they've used since then a lot more in Kamen Rider. Um, so the lock seeds are, like I said, they're a really silly, wild, fantastical design, and it's funny how I can see how all the kids using it, all the dancers using them, think that they're just part of a fun game because they look so toyetic they look i mean they have numbers like serial numbers on them like product line numbers and um the way the invests appear uh are in like these little holographic arenas think like Yu-Gi-Oh and the the dual disc system that kaiba created it's kind of like that's projected i don't know if that's specifically on the stage or that's supposed to come from the lock seed but um they look very soft and uh like they're meant to be played with like they're meant to be toys and i can see why the characters would be fooled by that because i think uh they're obviously not. There's something supernatural because they come from inside that zipper dimension. Um, and then we've got pineapple armor. Uh, again, if you're watching the video version of this, uh, it's it's pineapple armor. And if you're not, uh, you can go to the, if you're listening to the audio-only version, you can go to mjwinners.com and look up another writer cast or type in Gaim, and you should be able to find it pretty easily. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a pineapple armor. He's got like a pineapple on his head and pineapple parts on his shoulders and stuff And he does a giant pineapple kick to a giant CGI monstrosity uh, These writer shows I had meant to track the the growth and development of these things But these writer shows typically have in the first or second episode a monster a regular monster turned into some extreme monster that the writer is able to defeat with a power that they use seldom uh, in the premiere and then you know maybe every 10 or 15 episodes or so uh and that's uh, kind of what happens here uh well i don't remember how much more he uses this but coach does this crazy pineapple kick where the, he throws a, the pineapple mace part of his weapon onto the giant deer invest's head and then he kicks a hole through it that looks like a hole that you like serve on top of like a pig or like when you slice um, pineapple and put holes in it. That's what it looks like and it's it's really ridiculous and they really lean into it and then when it explodes a bunch of those um, chunks of pineapple rings come flying out of the fiery explosion and it's pretty hilarious and like I, I, I don't mean that to be insulting. I mean to me that's the strength of tokusatsu that it's not afraid to take ridiculous looking things and just go uh, all the way with them and that's that's really uh, like bold and brave and neat and I I have a lot of fun with that. Uh, another thing that was really cool is that the invests eat the lock, lock seeds in different ways to gain power, and this deer invest grows more powerful by eating the strawberry lock seed and, uh, I guess, obtaining its power, which is kind of what the invests were being shown to do in the, um, the zipper dimension where they were. Uh, so it's all consistent. So here we go. My overall thoughts on Combinator Gaim. It was a very divisive show. Uh, it was funny in the fandom at the time. It was really divisive and if you're coming at it for, as a fresh viewer um, And I, I mean that literally like if you're new in the fandom um, Hello, welcome first of all, uh, but second of all uh, it was really uh, it was a dividing point um, There was a guy who was a huge uh, He had a huge collection and he rage quit over Kamen Rider Gaim when we saw the first clear images of the design that we knew weren't fakes or that we knew were official and got the premise that it was you know fruit samurai pokemon or whatever and uh he just he up and left and, and it was bad um 
I, I don't bring that up to mock him. I just bring that up to say, uh, you know, at the time it was very divisive and it, you're not getting the same feel for it coming into it now. Um, but I have to say in retrospect, it's not as dramatic a shift as I, I mean, like the visuals are very dramatic and like the fruit coming down on the head and stuff like that is very dramatic and it feels very much like an anime, but Genorobuchi's an anime writer. So like the way it's written so far, it feels like a, like a cool sci-fi anime with the way everybody's introduced, even with the like text appearing on the screen and stuff. Like I saw that all the way back in Digimon 02 when it, I just knew it is uh, the second season of Digimon. Um, uh, before I knew it was Japanese, really, I, you know, I thought Digimon was just a cartoon, and I didn't realize until years later, I think, that it was, you know, actually from Japan and, and you know, different and stuff from like an American cartoon. But I knew I liked Digimon and stuff like it uh, because I think I just gel with the uh, Japanese style of storytelling more than I do a Western approach, let's say. But um, gosh, sorry for that tangent. Um, yeah, Gaim has like a really awesome energetic opening and uh first of all i mean like the song is great too the opening song um don't say no just live more really cool i like it a lot it's super diggable <laughs> eminently diggable <laughs> uh sorry anyway um and uh, like Kota seems like a really interesting character really interesting protagonist he's focused on transforming and changing himself and like growing up and that's what the common Rider journey looks like it'll do to him anyway uh, which is cool that he's kind of aware of that and he wants that for himself already uh, there's like a really rich supporting cast it's multi-layered there's multi-factions Kota um, is the main character but Kaito looks like he could be a main character too, like the main character. He seems like he might legitimately be worthy of the slot of protagonist. Even though he is a little prickly, there seems to be a really uh, good uh, core to him. Um, again, despite how irascible he is. Uh, and it's really interesting and I... From, these, from this debut, I, I'm interested to see how his character develops and uh, the impression that I have. Um, it seems like it could be really cool and uh, like we could have a cool like uh, multi-lead show. So I mentioned uh, you know the potential for all these different characters but there's potential for the rest of the story to unfold as well. There definitely appears to be an evil organization or a clandestine organization at the very minimum that is uh, running some sort of operation in the background. It was very funny there was a scene in the juice bar, which is called like Droopers or something like that. And uh, Yuya and uh, Kota were talking about where all these lock seeds come from. And then there's a uh, little montage where we see uh, vignettes or, or clips really of uh, this Yggdrasil company. Uh, this is a planned city, Zawame City. Uh, and it's in, I don't know if it's at the center of it, but there's a giant tree looking building called, uh, or that belongs to the Yggdrasil company who has a tree as their logo. And then these, um, lock seeds are all coming from another dimension it looks like where you know they're from fruits that turn into things and fruits grow on trees um, I don't think the uh, the stylized Jigdrasil tree has uh, fruit that grows on it specifically but I mean it seems like it's referring to that sort of thing or there's an illusion between the company being called Yggdrasil the world tree from Norse mythology or whatever I, I know very limited stuff about it um, 
and uh, you know, they're being fruits. And the, their ad for Yggdrasil on the TV playing in the bar actually shows slices of fruit. There's oranges and strawberries and stuff like that. So I definitely think, and I think I said it felt like Kamen Rider Fies because Fies has in the first or second episode this uh, little ad for SmartBrain, the company that is the evil organization. I think they're evil, but I, I haven't seen enough of Fies to really know 100% for sure that they are evil, but it feels very much like that. So uh, that's kind of interesting. Um, Again, uh, Gaim kind of feels very self-aware of the fact that it's a Kamen Rider show, and that's kind of interesting to me. Uh, anyway, I'm going to go ahead and start wrapping it up now. So, uh, what is your impression of Kamen Rider Gaim? Uh, what did you think about it? First of all, did you like this set of debut episodes? What were your favorite things about it? Least favorite things, I guess. And uh, who are your favorite characters in Kamen Rider Gaim? Because, you know, uh, speaking now outside of my false... Uh, naivete uh i've seen the whole show i know what happens um so like what were your favorite twists and turns uh who was your favorite protagonist or villain or uh, let me just say character um and do you like uh, any of the non-writer people more than the writers um explain all that to me uh, i'd be fascinated to know and uh I guess, where does Gaim rank for you in Common Writers? Especially if it's your number one or your dead last. Uh, I want to know what your reasoning is for that. Um, I think that would be some pretty fun stuff to answer. So, anyway, uh, now I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. So, first of all, you can get out of here right about now if you want to. If you're listening to the... Uh, depending on what version you're listening to, you might want to jump off now. That's pretty much all I have to say about the show, particularly, and about uh, Common Writer Gaim. And now I'm going to talk about myself. Um... So I want to thank everybody who's listening um, or watching. Uh, when I put the show on iTunes, I got a couple dozen more uh, views, and that's really cool to me. Um, so if you're enjoying the show, please uh, give me a rating. It would really be helpful. If you're watching this on YouTube, well, okay, let me continue. Uh, if you don't know uh, quite where to get this, if you only have one episode of this, you can go to mjmunoz.com, look up Gaim or another writer cast or just ARC or look in the podcasts uh, tab in the menu and you'll be able to find all the podcasts that I'm doing. Uh, I have multiple going all at once because I'm a madman. I'm trying to wrap them up, but anyway, um, you can find those there. There's a link in the show notes for the iTunes uh for the Google Play and for just the RSS that you can plug into like Dogcatcher or any other pod feeder of your choice. So that's really cool. And if you're finding this on YouTube, I would uh, engagement's key. So please like, comment, share. Um, I'm asking questions because I want people to comment, but I'm also genuinely interested in talking about Common Rider because I don't really talk about much people or I don't really talk about Rider or Sentai or anything with much people in my real life. Um, so anybody online who wants to chat with me about it, I'd be more than happy to. I enjoy the stuff. I love talking about it. Um, so yeah, you know, drop me a line, comment here. Uh, you can also comment on the blog, mjmunoz.com. Again, another writer cast or ARC. Type that in the search and you'll be able to find the post. Or type in Gaim uh, or Common Writer or whatever. You should be able to find it pretty quickly. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's all I have to say. So I had questions about, you know, your favorite characters in Gaim, um, how it ranks for you and why. Uh, those are the kinds of things I'd like to know. And then um, check out this new, uh, if you're watching the video version, you can see this new uh, show art that I made. Uh, it says another writer cast, and then it lists all the writers from Kuga to Zio, because that's what I'm talking about. Everybody from Kuga to Zio. Or, yeah, Kuga to Zio. Um, so anyway, uh, that's pretty much all I have to say. So uh, if you've engaged in all that stuff for your, or for, to help me, uh, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. And uh, to help yourself, if you're over in YouTube land, you can go ahead and subscribe. Uh, ring the notification bell so you can get a notice every time I release one of these, hopefully. Uh, supposedly the system's buggy, but it'll help if you do it, I think. 
So go ahead and do that. And uh, yeah, um, if you have any tips for me on uh, what to do to improve the show, let me know. Uh, I recorded uh, in my office, in my car, out at the park with my family. Um, so, you know, the audio's maybe all over the place, but if it isn't, uh, let me know. Um, and if it is, let me know, and I'll try to be better about it. Just, I'm busy and I got a lot of stuff going on. So, anyway, uh, that's all I have to say for now. Again, mgmunios.com. You can visit there for all my stuff, and I do lots of other stuff. Talk about um, other tokusatsu and anime, and uh, I'm writing stuff and uh, trying to get fit. And, uh, anyway, just really busy. And, uh, that's all I will say. I'm rambling on. Thank you so much for your time again, especially if you listen all the way to the end. You're a champ. And, uh, let me know who you are in the comments if you've, uh, listened all the way through. And, um, I know, maybe we can chat. And that'd be a lot of fun. So, one last time, thank you so much. Now go out there, folks. And until next time, be well. <laughs>